He felt now that he was not simply close to her, but that he did not know where he ended and she began. Leo Tolstoy 1. Nicholas Nicholas Deschanel had never been a fan of these types of meetings, or meetings at all, for that matter. Outside the offices of Sullivan and Associates, the sun was setting over the New Orleans Central Business District. Inside, exhaustion was turning to frustration as the lawyers and Deschanel's continued their verbal tug-of-war for nearly six hours. Nicholas would periodically lose focus, his thoughts wandering to the unimportant artifacts surrounding him. The long, oval mahogany table sparkled with a scent of almond oil furniture polish, a silver tray in the middle, housing the day's refreshments, testified to the day's mind-numbing nature. The biscotti had grown drier, and the ice in the cut crystal carafe had long since melted. Condensation pooled atop the tray. It had been a tedious afternoon. He loosened his ridiculous tie hours ago, ignoring the glares from his Aunt Colleen when the buttons on his shirt also eventually came undone. But as primary heir to the Deschanel estate, he had no choice but to continue suffering through the discussions. On one side of the table, the Sullivan attorneys most familiar with the Deschanel estate, Colin Sullivan and his brother, Rory. On the other side, the Deschanel's who had a vested interest in the matter, Nicholas, his aunts Colleen and Evangeline, and his uncle Augustus. Initially, Nicholas had been offended when Aunt Colleen insisted on bringing in the cavalry. Was he not capable of handling this on his own? But after slogging through hours of dry debate, he decided he was grateful for her intervention. They knew far more about the nuances of the estate. If this had been left up to him, he'd have told everyone to go fuck themselves and named Anna's unborn son as heir, regardless of their objections. Bastard or no. The Deschanel will has been inviolate for over two hundred years. Colin had rebutted at least a dozen times. He kept saying it whenever an objection was made, as if repeating would put a finer point on the mantra. I'm the heir, correct? Nicholas would rhetorically ask, after their nods. And you are my attorneys? Which earned him additional agreement. So just change it for me. They would then exchange looks. Nicholas did not need to employ his newfound telepathy to read their minds. He was, clearly, not getting it. But Nicholas did get it. He was well aware of how his ancestors had set up the Deschanel will, with very specific codicils and rules and other outdated legal garbage. The family had always followed those regulations, without quarrel, he understood the estate passed to the eldest son through each generation, that, in the absence of a son, a daughter could inherit, so long as her son bore the name Deschanel. Nicholas was never going to have children. He had no interest in following his father's piss-poor example, and conveniently, his partner, Mercy, was barren. Nicholas's younger sister, Adrian, wanted nothing to do with the estate, Anne, his other sister, was the product of an undocumented affair, and no amount of negotiation would make the legal team comfortable with her dissent being considered.
So Nicholas had chosen Anna Sophia, his first cousin and dearest friend, as his heir. When Anna learned she was having a child, she asked Nicholas to make her son, Alexander, the heir immediately, instead of waiting until he reached maturity. Filing that paperwork had launched the meeting to end all meetings. They tediously worked through most of the concerns presented, but the biggest one lingered. Anna was not married. Her child, then, would be born illegitimate. This is the 21st century! Who the fuck cares? Nicholas exclaimed to a crowd of stoic faces. They were acclimated to his unfiltered outburst now, so it was impossible to draw reaction from them.